Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, we're going to be talking about instructional materials. Over the past year, we've had more and more issues being raised regarding curriculum and instructional materials. Some of this has been raised in the context of issues uh, associated with controversial content, I'll put it that way, such as critical race theory. Some of this is being raised in the context of other controversial issues like gender identification. And some of this is being raised in the context of complaints of a lack of parental access to curriculum or instructional materials. And some of this has been raised in the context of textbook selection and approval and the process for approval of textbooks in schools, in particular at the elementary level. So today, we thought we might talk about some of the more common legal issues and requirements associated with instructional materials as they have been raised this school year, and more importantly, as they are likely to be raised over the next school year. So with me today to talk through these legal issues is my partner, Emily Amahundro. Hello. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. Ready to talk about instructional materials? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not the expert on what's in them, but happy to talk about the legal angles related to them. All right. Yeah. The uh, um, It is interesting because the, you know, the issue really hasn't been a pronounced one in the past. Uh, not from a legal perspective. And so certainly over the last two years, um, we've had a lot of issues raised more and more all the time, it seems. But maybe the best place to start, Emily, is just to talk about what are the legal requirements for the approval of instructional materials? And let's just start with curriculum. I mean, what do we have to have uh, in terms of approval at the district level for curriculum? Right. So the, the Board of Education for each school district has to adopt or develop a written curriculum that's designed to ensure that students attain the knowledge, skills, and competencies essentially that are set forth by the State Board of Education. And that is a statutory requirement. And then that statute is uh, 16514. And then it, 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 you know, the statute allows or directs the boards to adopt appropriate curriculum. And then um, it also encourages local boards to adopt or develop curriculum that is rigorous and ambitious. And nothing in that statute prohibits the local boards from developing or adopting curriculum for certain academic standards in addition to those identified by the state board. But um, I, so if, if a local district wants to expand requirements for graduation, for instance, then they can do that or add particular types of programs, they can do that as well. But the statute certainly contemplates that all of those things, the things that are required by the state and the things that are required by the local district are adopted by the board. Okay, so it's a board decision about curriculum, and the board has the responsibility at the end of the day to approve curriculum materials. Now, that's a little bit different than textbooks, right? Right, right. So textbooks, a little different. So 
each board is required, like I said, to adopt the curriculum. And then in terms of instructional material, uh, the board is also essentially purchasing and approving what's going to be purchased in order to effectuate the curriculum that's been approved, right? Okay. And you said instructional materials, and really kind of what I was driving at uh, was textbooks themselves. And the reason why I see it as different than curriculum is because, as we know, the State Board of Education cannot approve textbooks. It comes down to the local board, right? Right. Now, on the other instructional materials, let's face it. I mean, there are a lot of instructional materials that are used that aren't necessarily approved by the Board of Education. Is that fair? Without a doubt. Individual teachers have lots of ways to, well, first of all, they're creating instructional material. They're working with their teams and doing that. They are able to access instructional material created by other educators. You know, there are great videos and tutorials online that teachers may use. So, you know, that type of instructional material is coming from every direction and internally. So we know that curricula, at least legally, uh, curricula and textbooks, that's a board approval, but anything else might be subject to some other approval mechanisms in the, in the district, but ultimately the board's responsible. Is that kind of the best way to look at, at looking I, at I would it? agree with that. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to kind of move from that uh, approval piece to talk a little bit about access and Probably the best place to start when we start talking about access to materials would be surrounding the Sunshine Law, because that's kind of what we see a lot of, a lot of requests for different information through the Sunshine Law. What kinds of things have you seen and what are the frames of reference that you would look to to kind of explain this issue? So I would say, you know, we have to look at a couple different places. So first, uh, the Sunshine Law errs on the side of a record being open, right? So when we talk about records and information that's maintained by the district, those are things that we have to produce upon request in the absence of an exception, which would allow us to keep those records closed or confidential. But what I think we also have to look at is the statute that specifically talks about the inspection of instructional materials. So that's 172.31. And that statute says that the board of each district shall provide that all public school instructional material intended for use in connection with any public school classroom instruction or any public school research or experimentation program or project shall be available for inspection by any person. So that's not just parents. That's not just people who are our taxpayers or stakeholders. That would be any person. So the statute presumes that the instructional material would be available for inspection. Now, that's a little different than the way we look at a sunshine request because often Sunshine requests ask for copies of things. So one thing that we would have to keep in mind is that we do have the statutory obligation to make sure that instructional material is available for inspection, but then we would probably be seeing that request come to us in the form of a Sunshine request. Okay, I want to break that down a little bit. And 
you know, I, my initial question was about Sunshine Law, but you switched gears on me and kind of went to this statute. Sorry. So, no, that's all right. Um, no, it's good. Um, now, that statute is completely separate from the Sunshine Law. I just want to make it clear to our listeners that we're talking about something different here. And it is a specific statute that you read through there. And the scope of what they can inspect, it, they being pretty much anybody, as you kind of alluded to, would be, include what, Emily? In terms of how are we defining instructional material? Or what is it that the statute compl- uh, basically says that we have to pro- be providing uh, open for inspection? So it talks about uh, instructional material that's intended for use in connection with any public school classroom instruction. Okay. So that's pretty broad, right? It's very broad. Okay. So before, when we were talking about the approval process of instructional materials, we talked about textbooks and curricula being, okay, that's a board issue. So that's going to be easy, right? That's going to be something that uh, if somebody wants to inspect that, presumably we've got that in a place where it's been approved by the board. Where I'm going with this is that this is actually much broader than that, right? It's This statute would include pretty much anything that's been used in a classroom is going to be used in a classroom. Is that fair? Yeah, I agree. I think that that's one of the things, you know, we've, we've talked with some uh, leaders about this in the last couple months, for sure, uh, just about being vigilant in terms of letting our educators and teachers know that, you know, if they're going to be using a worksheet or, like I said earlier, a video, maybe a YouTube video or something from teachers paying teachers where they've collaborated or uh, with each other, perhaps, or bought something on their own or brought their own books in from home. Those things, I think, would all be included in the concept of instructional materials. So it gets pretty granular, I think, um, and how it's important for our teachers to know that if there's a request to review instructional material, perhaps from their grade or their classroom, that those things are going to have to be traceable. So on this, under this particular statute, as opposed to the Sunshine Law, is this an inspection right or a right to copy the records? So the, this statute, separate from the Sunshine Law, is just about inspection. Okay. And, you know, we can get into the practical issues of whether or not you want to, you know, uh, be able to provide copies and that sort of thing. But you might run into more copyright issues. You might run into a number of different things so that you limit it to inspection. But then, you know, separate from this particular statute, which is 17231, as you identified it, it's, there's this, uh, I mean, the issue of sunshine law, right? And somebody can come in and request that. And again, as you said, I mean, under this one, it's not limited as to who can make the request either. Correct. Right. So anyone in state, out of state, in district, out of district can make a request under the Sunshine Law. So if somebody comes in and makes a request for instructional materials uh, used in a fourth grade class, just using that as an example, um, how are we going to treat that as a district? Well, I think it is incumbent upon public entities to ensure that we are complying with the sunshine law, even when something doesn't look specifically like a sunshine request. So, you know, if someone comes in and says, or writes an email and makes that request, my thought is, is that we treat it both as a request under the sunshine law, and then also maybe try to seek some clarification regarding whether it's a request for inspection or a request for copying. 
Gotcha. You know, one of the things that, and we just process it just like we would any other Sunshine Law request, right? Right. The one of the things that's kind of interesting about some of the proposed legislations out there, that's out there about parental access to instructional materials, it goes to this issue of requiring somebody to sign a non-disclosure agreement in order to receive the materials. And that kind of bleeds into proprietary information and copyright issues. At least that's what I believe that, you know, why districts would have an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement involved, right? So uh, what kind of things do we need to be aware of if we're if we're getting sunshine and we do have copyrighted materials, where does that leave us? Do we, do we provide them? So the district, it does have to be mindful of the uh, reproduction and distribution of copyrighted materials. So I think that, well, it's my guess that the reason that 172.31 is written to allow for inspection and says nothing about copying or reproduction of instructional material is to try to sort of take care of that potential copyright issue. Because we know, I mean, our textbook manufacturers and curriculum providers are copywriting their work. So when we think about, you know, if we, if we clarify with the requester, hey, are you asking to inspect? Because we could do that. Or are you asking for copies? And if they say, well, no, I want copies, then I think we have to go and look at the uh, potential copyright on any of those instructional materials and then consider whether those would be closed under the Sunshine Law under 610-021-14, which exempts from disclosure records which are protected from disclosure by law. So Usually when we use 610-021-14, we are making a closed record because we're typically citing FERPA, right? That FERPA prevents the district from disclosing student records, for instance. And so we would cite that exception to the Sunshine Law. But then here, if we have this request for instructional materials, we would be looking at the Copyright Act. So are these materials exempted from disclosure by the Copyright Act? So um, in looking at the case law about that, there, there are some cases that are on point, specifically one out of the Western District Court of Appeals where an entity requested from the University of Missouri the syllabi of all the teachers for their courses. And the teachers said, wait a minute, all of our, our syllabi are copyright. This is our work product as educators. Um, you know, we're creating this class and, and what we're teaching. And so it's copyright. And so the university informed the entity making the request, we can't, we can't provide you with copies of these. And then we're subject to litigation for that denial, the denial of that request. And the court really looked at it a couple of different ways, but ultimately decided that uh, the Copyright Act does, in fact, allow a public entity to close records, which are copyright under the law. And, you know, the requesting entity tried to argue, well, hey, we're not we're not asking for this information because we want to use it in terms of 
create our own thing or try to rip it off and and not and sell it we are saying that this request is basically fair use because it's for research purposes right and the court said it is not up to us to try to determine why you're requesting something we are just saying that because well first of all the sunshine law doesn't require someone who's making the request to tell us why they're making the request so and, and it doesn't really allow the public entity to ask that before fulfilling the request so the court said we're not going to get into a fair use analysis or about why you're wanting this information we're just saying that if the uh, Copyright Act protects something, a public entity can go ahead and say no. So, uh, but inspection is something that certainly would be allowed because we're not copying and then distributing the record. So that's, that's an important issue too. Reproduction so, and distribution is what is not allowed under the Copyright Act. So it may be an open record under the Sunshine Law, but one that you can't really copy because it would otherwise violate the copyright. Right. And then we would cite to that records protected from disclosure by law to 610.02114. Right. Exactly. To explain why we're not able to reproduce and distribute it, but why inspection, for instance, would be allowed. Okay. You know, another area under the Sunshine Law that I want to just get into a little bit and mention is that we've, we've had a number of clients receive Sunshine Law requests from the Attorney General's Office of late. And it's aimed at, it seems like two issues. Um, and it's, it's uh, asking for textbooks. And, and then I think one gets broader than textbooks is talking about instructional materials, but surrounding issues of uh, CRT, critical race theory. And, and then there's one that's LGBTQ. Uh, where it's asking for any materials used in the elementaries uh, associated with that. So what are you seeing there and how's that tied to this issue of, you know, instructional materials? So I think this ties so directly to the instructional material and Sunshine Law issue. So for instance, the uh, Sunshine requests that we're seeing from the Attorney General's office regarding uh, LGBTQIA issues doesn't ask, first of all, it doesn't ask to inspect. It doesn't ask for a list of what is being used. Instead, it's asking for documents, handouts, diagrams, presentations, lesson plans, assignments, curriculum, or other teaching materials, including electronic copies or links to access online resources that are used in a particular elementary building, and then it lists all the terms that they're looking for. So those terms, some of them are pretty specific, like LGBT, LGBTQ, but then, and transgender, for instance, but also the word pride uh, and gender mm. and um, sexuality, for instance, those are very broad. I mean, those words could be found in a number of different contexts from, you know, history class to uh, agriculture class, biology, all those things. So, you know, I think that that's a very broad request. Going through all of that information is going to churn up lots of instructional material, very likely copyrighted material. And so, you know, looking at that, I think we are running into that copyright question for sure. Okay. 
So there's that piece. And then there's a, there was another one from the AG's office that was really kind of asking for, and a number of districts received this, a listing of textbooks used in elementary that referred to certain things. Do you recall that one? Right. So that particular uh, request was asking for the list of approved, I think, instructional material by the Board of Education for a period of 10 years, by the way, and about uh, things like critical race theory and social emotional learning and, and those kinds of topics. I'm trying to remember the exact search terms from that. Yeah. And I think it was limited to textbooks, right? It was, was it? Yeah. Real yeah limited so. to textbooks. So they just wanted a list. So that's pretty different from the, uh, the uh, gender related sunshine request that we just talked about. So the earlier request that was related to textbooks didn't ask for the actual material, it just asked for a list of the titles. So that kind of request, first of all, would hopefully be slightly easier to fulfill, even though it's going back 10 years, but also doesn't require us to copy or reproduce anything. Okay. And I think maybe that's why they framed it that way, but we'll see. But the, the point, and I think the takeaway here probably needs to be for school districts to understand we're going to get sunshine law requests, whether it's from the attorney general, perhaps from patrons surrounding textbooks, curriculum, uh, instructional materials, all of which may relate to any issues that become controversial, whether it's, uh, you know, related to CRT or perhaps, as you said, like social emotional learning and drawing from the Florida, recent Florida experience and dust up. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we can expect schools to get a little bit of a push for in terms of, you know, requests for the information that they have about instructional materials. And that's probably good. We can anticipate that, but at least between now and November, right? But uh, yes. maybe, maybe, maybe well beyond that. Just hang so. on for a few months and let's see if it gets better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, any, I'm going to let you close it out. Uh, parting shots, anything that you want to add to our discussion today about recent legal issues involving instructional materials? You know, I just want to reiterate that for our leaders, communication with your classroom teachers is going to be key so that they understand that, you know, things, they know that they're already under scrutiny just from the general rhetoric out there. Uh, But I think it's just incredibly important for them to at least keep a list of videos or worksheets, you know, just anything like that. So that if we run into one of these requests, or if, for instance, um, a parent says, well, I know that my student brought this particular worksheet home or told me about this worksheet, and I don't see it anywhere in what you've provided, you know, we need to be able to meet that demand with transparency. Very good. Well, I thank you for your time today, Emily, and Thank you, listeners, for taking the time today to listen to Ed Council Insights. We hope you'll follow and share our podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can just check us out at our website. Just Google Ed Council. That's E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you will find us there. Glad we could be together. And thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.